Hui Mauli Ola proudly presents Leo Kupa, E Ho'olonu Mai, the thought-provoking podcast on perpetuating Hawaiian healing and wellness. Brought to you this month by Noho Designs, Hawaiian Vintage Chic Home Decor, the Indigenous Soap Company created on the island of Oahu. The Indigenous comes from our passion in using native medicinal herbs and oils from all over the world. Alana Natural Therapy in town and Pikuakea Therapeutic Lomi and Rehabilitation Massage in Kailua. Ho'ulu Aina, a welcoming place of refuge where people of all cultures sustain and propagate the connections between the health of the land and the health of the people. Leo Kupa is hosted by Kamakanui Ahailono Jingao. Welcome to Leo Kupa from us at Hui Mauliola. The mission of Hui Mauliola is to perpetuate Hawaiian healing and wellness and empowering our people through healing. This Leo Kupa podcast is our way of capturing the stories of empowerment from our kupuna and practitioners in our, com- in our community. Today we have a good friend and special guest, Auntie Kathy Alana. Aloha. Aloha, mate. Auntie Kathy's been living in Waianae since the early 80s. She has had the privilege of working with disenfranchised kanakas for over 35 years, helping those suffering from chemical dependencies, mental illnesses, hope, houselessness, HIV, hepatitis, incarceration, and domestic violence. Auntie Kathy has a bachelor's degree in liberal studies in Native Hawaiian and social issues. The delivery of Hawaiian practice is her kuleana in nation building. Her personal motto is, I'm a guest in your process. What a wonderful selfless model. And to Kathy, continue with this intro and share with us your story of how you started working with disenfranchised Kanakas. Mahalo, mahalo. I'm, I'm honored and privileged to be able to partake in nation building and this is just one format um, that can reach many people that have to work hard, cannot go to meetings, cannot interact with other Kanakas. So, so my heart to your heart um, is where I'm coming from. Um, in terms of working with the population, I, I don't like to n- name it that. What I'd like to name it as Nakanaka. Uh, and it doesn't have to be bloodline. It's just people in general that are suffering um, who are called to our aina, you know, who are, are on our aina and sometimes get to be privileged to be part of the cultural practices. So it's a kako. Um, kind of a situation for me Um, my inception um, into my particular lifestyle started back in the late 60s when I was houseless homeless living in the big banyan tree uh, by the zoo not because I didn't work I didn't do anything but they were desecrating Waikiki at that time and so whole blocks got wiped out and people in the area got to not live anywhere so there was a trailways bus station where there were lockers I could put my lockers there and I was pretty much adopted by the beach boys on the wall so when I wasn't working or us gathering food for whoever came down there you know we would gather um, the old wooden piper boards under the under the wall see who it belonged to if not pony up some broken primo bottles for sandpaper, get some resin, and we were good to go. 
because we inherited our fins from from actually the waves delivered them under the seawall. So those particular individuals um, are the ones that taught me love, caring. Um, we didn't have to worry about Mia I. You know, someone brought the poi. We went inside. The water was much cleaner at that time. So you could get Hinalea and just eat it raw right there on the beach. And so, and then where I worked, you know, I could bring the leftovers or whatever. So we never starved. It was always bring your food, share your food, share your mana'o. And does it mean everybody got along? Of course not. However, there was a mutual understanding and respect from this subculture. And those were the core values that I took with me no matter where I went. And I actually wish that there were diplomas that were giving out because I learned so much more on that wall than I've learned in anything, any halls of higher so-called education. But getting into the practitioner part of um, delivering service or, you know, kako to our people, what principles that stand there for myself is listening ho'olo'i to the person. So if you want to translate that to a Western terminology, it's called an assessment. <clears throat> so I'm going to look at the person and what do they look like? But if you look at our practitioners, whether it's lomi lomi, la'au lapa'au, um, ho'oponopono, the kahu is going to use that same technique to make an assessment. Are these people attentive? Where are they at? Uh, what's happening? What's happening with the body? And so when using what I call natural methods, you're able to, to have the person feel comfortable and you get more out of that type of an assessment versus me saying, you know, where did you go to school and what did you do? And, you know, all of the English questions that come in a lot of assessments. And the particular clinical tool, if you, if you want to use it that way, is a talk story method. So in our subcultures, if I tell you what high school I went to, then usually you're going to share what high school you went to. So I'm gathering information, but I'm gathering information at, in a way that's comfortable and non-threatening to the individual. Um, sometimes in Western practices, people talk about boundaries. So as a Western uh, clinical person, we're not encouraged or pretty much allowed sometimes to share. However, if it's a local person and they ask me how many children I have, I'm not going to go into my birthing practices, but I'm going to honestly tell them, you know, I have two children. Now, if it's a strategy that people are using because they're trying to get more information from you than you have them, then my mana comes through and we gently change the subject so that the person felt heard and honored. But it's not about me, it's about them. So, so if you can try to look at, look at this as we're, we're cleaning the strands of the lahala and now we're trying to make a weave with all this information so that we have something tangible to hold on to in our kuka kuka. Um, these are not necessarily practices that are written down. It's just you have either gained it through being a practitioner, possibly um, maybe a kako in with your kahu or wh wherever you got it from, um, Levaya, uh, Mahia, whatever, whatever particular interest or talent you have in that particular practice, there was always some olelo, some particular mana that admitted itself that you were able to acquire. However, in the demise of the nation, what you have is total integration of Western styles, Western practices. And it's pretty much taken as the law. So for me, when I try to present or when I was working in regular jobs, I was very guarded or making sure I was in a private place with a person so that uh, people didn't misinterpret what was mm -hmm. and when I taught 
evidence-based classes. I integrated it and backed it up, for example, with some of the videos that um, Eddie Kamai and his wife had made. So I could show that video, talk about what were the evidence-based practices from Western and how that fit into Kanaka culture. So, and what happened is because a lot of the people I had were drug exposed, some from infancy, some in the womb, what we find is that most native peoples use all their senses when they communicate. So looking at these uh, videotapes and the filming, it helped the individual to get back into a sense of spirit mm -hmm. so that these were coming back to them and it solidified the knowledge that was trying to be shared. And, and the knowledge was not, I don't give you knowledge per se because, oh, I'm the teacher. I share with you. I participate with you. Um, if it was something that's hands-on, I practice with you. So, so we're one in the same. We're not separate. Mm -hmm. I am not better because I have palapala from, you know, Kulamanoa. You know, I, I am a humble servant that is focusing on the individual that's in front of me. So in my work, my regular types of jobs, of course, those individuals came through the court or, you know, through other referral services. Now that I'm pretty much semi-retired, Keakua sends to me who I should see. And coming from the country, the style is, if my gate is open, you're welcome to come in, you know, 24 seven. Um, some of the major differences that I think people um, might want to look at, because a lot of us in this particular time in, in, in history have individuals that have been exposed to the substances that are out there in the community now, particularly ice and all the synthetic drugs that are now coming. So yes. what happens is in traditional, I shouldn't say traditional, um, the treatment that is there in the community it's pretty much Western practices. And even those that have attempted to try to integrate native practices have difficulty uh, for, for many different reasons. Part of the challenge is that we're using tools, clinical tools, um, situations like uh, self-help groups that came from the 30s and 40s now, they have beautiful principles. I'm not seeing a lot of people have gotten help with them. However, those particular groups started around alcohol. Uh -huh. We hardly see too many pure alcoholics anymore in, in treatment. Not that we don't have them. They're hidden, but they don't come into treatment. What we see is drug-exposed infants. So whether it's probably more likely to be methamphetamine now, but there was heroin and cocaine and, you know, different kinds of substances. So that child was exposed while they were, while the mom was hapai. So that leads to another generation in how we, we look at it. So if we don't have the right tools that can reach our people, then they fall through the cracks. So one of the things that is not being addressed I mean they talk about scientific okay this is what happens when your brain is on drugs they mm -hmm. use very hybolical words like neurotransmitter and neurons and they explain it in a scientific format which is fine I mean that's educational it's good to know but how many people really understand what is a neurotransmitter I mean it, it sounds like the Transformers to me. Yeah, not too much. You know, people. Optimus Prime and, you know, all of those those folks, right? So people are polite. Most of our local people are very polite. They're going to listen. They can almost verbatim say that back, but they don't really understand what's happening to them. So when the brain says to them, brah, sister, I've been on this stuff for like 10 years and now you make me stop, the brain starts to send out messages to your body to continue to help it function the way it was functioning. Because when it stops functioning like that, the body goes through withdrawals. Yes. So no one has ever, or at least not in formal settings, 
looked at what type of lao, lapa'au, can be helpful to our people in these situations. How do we restore the individual's body, mind, and spirit? Because a lot of our folks that have gone through this, the, the drug has just literally, it is like it's an incorporation of a spirit, an eno spirit, that um, takes away the whole soul and compromises their mana and a bunch of things, the, the whole physical body. So there needs to be much more discussion, mm -hmm. especially in Native health practices, on working with our population because we are losing generations. And if we want to build a nation, these are the warriors that we want to malama. You know, even the gladiators that were chained up by the Romans got fed good before they had to fight. You know, the, the those particular type of slaves needed to be healthy because people were betting on them. Mm -hmm. And here we have our generations of people that continue to fall through a, a systematic government where, that's fooled with cracks for Native peoples. And a lot of people don't go to treatment unless they're pretty much forced. You don't see a lot of people at the door knocking because they really want to do it. But part of Native practice is that you have to show some sign that you want to receive what is being given to you or what you're going to work towards with your practitioner. And that does not happen. There's a disconnect in terms of not having an incorporator. Even some of our Kanaka does, they don't know. We don't know the practices. So for me, um, I've been very gifted to have been invited by different practitioners to, you know, to be their kako or their, their homana or whatever the situation may be. And with that comes a lot of kuleana. So if you caught me, you know, 25 years ago, I would be calling people out on the blacktop, arguing with them, which I did. Um, it was fruitless because people didn't know what I was talking about. Uh, however, the individuals that I worked with, it's in their DNA. So when we can bring them to the water, they definitely wanted to drink. So whether it was a, a video like Eddie Kamai's um, with Uncle Sam Lee, uh, and people were drinking Okoli Hao, you know, we could have a discussion like, wow, you know, they're sitting on the chair, stuck literally, that's why they're calling it Okolihau. But how is it that the next morning get Halipule and they get up on time, they go and they take care, they take care of business, their bodies are still healthy. What was different back then and what is happening now? So when people see that they can start to what what Western people might call start critically thinking about, wow, you know, that that was a a nice feeling message that they could see and those kinds of literature um, in just general energy work song is very important it has different levels of vibration so when I work a lot with my people I don't just teach them with paper so if I'm asking okay what are we gonna do for relapse prevention so I'll use street terminology because people understand that. So I say, okay, okay, folks, we're going to rent some space in our head. And you can use this verbally, you know, you can say it verbally or you can say it in your head. And then we'll do something like a homai. And the, just the vibrational part of that olalo, that oli, um, helps them to not only receive, you know, the mana that, that should be coming back into their DNA, but it calms them enough because it's something that is sensual for them. Mm -hmm. And it's not, if you, if you talk to people outside that they're like, you're crazy. And I said, yes, I really am. I'm crazy with love, you know, to help people help themselves. Yes. And I do not go into my situations being hoihiki, meaning, I'm no better than anybody else there. I need to have humility. Mm -hmm. I need to be a guest in the process because I'm not with them 24-7. Yeah. I cannot say to them, well, I'm the teacher. Do what I say um, and everything is going to be fine. That's not true. I need to help them 
take the strength that they already have inside them, sell it back to them free of charge so that they can relish in their own mana. And that's what's going to build our nation. So there's many practices that we can explore and develop. And I challenge practitioners out there, you know, give me a call. Let's kuka kuka. You know, and even if we do it quietly, um, it's about healing our people and protecting our future generations. And babies are another challenge, especially those that are drug exposed. So pretty much in a nutshell, I mean, I could tell you stories upon stories. Maybe when I get to sit in my rocking chair, we'll have that conversation. Yeah, we'll have to definitely get more um, conversations on. But the, the beauty is, is that I respect the folks that have come before me. I honor them. Some of them have had horrendous lives that I don't know if I was in their shoes that I could have handled some of the things that they're handling. And the most important thing that I think we can give to another human being um, is to honor their, their mana, their DNA. And, and for people that have been put down, their hearts are broken, they're saddened. You know, let's get that DNA going. You know, and, and open it up. And once that happens, the rest of the magic just starts to occur. So for those people, those uh, individuals who are going through some of these issues, how can we, like, what's the first step that we can help them out and honor their DNA and honor their presence? The, fir the first step is to just be honest. So you don't have to be necessarily a massage therapist to tell someone well you could do this stretch you know if you know that you're to, to taught you that and you know it works I mean you don't have to be a licensed therapist to do that you can pass it on some people know opuhuli through their generation so if it's something like that that can help the individual you you give it freely it's not going to hurt them that establishes a form of trust so we're always trying to build trust with these. we want to build trust and trust for for a lot of our people you have to show me you know, we're visual, you know, people um, need to listen, need to touch, need to feel. And when you can get people in that level, um, then the door starts to open. So the trust is gained by, by sharing. By sharing, by, by. doing, by um, honoring the fact that you don't have to like them. They don't have to like you. But people know when you're genuine and you want to help them then they're going to stay and try to get the help as best they can. And once that's established, then you build, you start weaving your map. Mm -hmm. and, and, you, and you get to determine, you know, is it going to be a bookmark? Is it, is it going to be a mat for a heyao? You know, you can determine that later on. But in the beginning, we need to get the materials to build that. And um, some people feel lost. They're ashamed. You know, I think shame for people in general is one term, but shame for na native people goes deeper. It's yeah. in the blood. It's 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 just I, I don't even have words to describe it. But part of the reason that the Hawaiian language is so beautiful is because we have the kauna. Mm -hmm. So one word can have those deeper meanings. Yes. And and so the shame for our people is much much deeper than people really realize. And they've been, especially with Western, um, the, the missionaries and not being able to learn your language or not even having your Hawaiian name when you went to school, when that's taken away from you, you have this loss, you have these pukas. Mm -hmm. So we want to fill the pukas up with things that are there. And so a lot of times, for example, I'll say to them, oh, you folks speak Hawaiian, oh, aoli. I said, I bet you right now, and I put a dollar on, uh, you know, on the table. I said, I bet you you can come up with 10 Hawaiian words that you've heard in your lifetime. And, and they usually can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, pai pai lima, mahina, whatever, whatever has come to them. And that is very powerful because now they got a piece of paper. So I said, okay, fold that up. I want you to put it someplace, your wallet, wherever is special for you. When you're having a bad day, I want you to look at the power that you just created on that piece of paper. So people need that those little building blocks, emotional building blocks, to build on the trust that they're going to start with a practitioner. 
So it's, it's tiny, tiny steps, but those tiny steps is what is going to get the practitioner and the person to get to a higher level. Nice. So when you were talking about that, um, that assessment piece, you know, mm-hmm. as, as far as that culture assessment and using all of our senses yes. to assess, can you talk a little bit more on that aspect? So that we can, you know, be more um, observant or be um, better able to build these relationships and bonds. Sure, sure. Um, In Western clinical practice, um, and, you know, famous psychologists and all of that, you know, they've come up with things like, you know, body language, which is okay. I mean, that's what we're looking at. But sometimes we're so route in what we do if a person comes to you and they're actually talking a lot we may interpret that as oh the person is friendly but you're not assessing what the person is talking about or are they talking about anything that is just an internal uh, protection so the more I tell you about myself I'm only telling you what I want you to know Mm -hmm. I because I'm so filled with shame I'm not putting my na'au on the table. And so you can usually, if you're, if you're a native person, I mean, you don't have to necessarily have the cocoa, but if you grew up in Hawaii and you, you know, you can speak Pidgin, you went to the local schools, we pretty much can read our friends. Mm-hmm. You know, we pretty much know that's the beauty of Hawaiian love. It's just really super powerful. Mm-hmm. And so we, we look at our expressions. We look at... You know, how are we sitting? How are we talking? Um, you know, how are we trying to hide our tears? In a lot of Western clinical situations, the person is almost in a state of detachment where they're not going to show any of that. But when they're with someone that they're trusting, that's comfortable, um, that allows the person to be themselves, then that assessment tool starts to make sense. But it's also honoring the person that's in front of you and it truly does give you boundaries because you're not going to you're not going to do anything inappropriate because you're you have kuleana you know what you're supposed to be doing it's for the person to decide because sometimes they're not ready and we all know that from lomi lomi sometimes we touch the body and it's more emotional than physical yes and each practitioner you know, has their particular style of how they deal with it. But but for me, if that person is not ready or unless they give me a sign, I don't necessarily bring it up. If they, some people, especially kupuna, ask, can you read? And I say yes. And, and um, they'll say, well, I would like you to, to read, you know, after you work on me, I would like you to give me a read. I says, okay, no problem. Because they've asked for it. But for people that still have it hidden in their body and they're not ready to bring it forth, then what I do explain to them is that, you know, your shishi might come yellow, the toxins are coming out, drink plenty of water. However, another format that the body uses to release things is tears. So I'm not saying to them, oh, you have emotional trauma, you may cry. Okay? Yeah. I'm saying to them, This is what's happening in your body. Let it come out. It's a natural thing. You don't have to be afraid of it. So I'm allowing them. It's just like when I water grass. I don't stand over there and say, Oh, you little weed of grass, you little thing of grass over there. You never drink enough water. I I can't, you know, that's that's against nature. You know, it's just wherever it's supposed to go is it's going to go. Our kuleana, our training allows us you know, to to be gentle, you know, to be loving. And and sometimes that person may come back to you, sometimes they may not. Now, in a Western setting, there might be another style of doing it. It can be just, you know, as helpful. But from a local standpoint, most people are going to understand that. Now, we never said one word about childhood trauma or anything like that. What we said was a tone for your body to release whatever came from this session. So it's gentle, it's loving, 
It's not pressuring. You know, by the tenth day after this, you better be feeling this. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not yeah, telling them what they should do or shouldn't do. There you go. I got the phone. It's all good. Gonna, we know you're an important person, Auntie. You, I know you gotta help some me? some people. over here let auntie do her talk story so it's important when when i worked up at the hawaii state hospital um i walked in thinking that people would get help there was a natural assumption because of systems problems historical things they didn't necessarily receive what i would expect as just genuine help so what that did for my soul was really hurt it Yet, working at the state working at the state and hospital. other places too however i had to remind myself why was i there i was there because i was being called to give service to this particular group of people and then of course like the jails a lot of them were native hawaiians of all different ages and so i had to say Okay, this may be wrong, but I have to be really clear what action I'm going to take because it could actually work against the patient. Mm -hmm. And I had to remember that I got to go home. These people didn't, and there could be retribution to them. So it was um, definitely learning to work in systems that are not accommodating to just residents in general, but definitely not Native people. So one of the beauties was that I was able to work with individuals that nobody else wanted to work with in there. Men, we had a group one time just for men, we had a group for women, so it was um, based on gender for different reasons. And the group wasn't supposed to be therapeutic. But because we got that DNA activated, the folks in the group took this as their group. I mean, the miracles started to happen. And there were rules, you know, if they said they were going to hurt themselves or hurt somebody, of course, they all, we all know those rules. But a lot of issues came out that they could identify and we could support each other. They could support each other. And, and actually, that those particular groups had better... Uh, recidivism rate so when these people went out they had a lot more skills that they could use to try to be successful but I truly personally believe it was the activation of their I just use called DNA you can call it mana you can call it you know mm -hmm. seeds whatever whatever it is that resonates with you but I truly believe when you activate that that people will go forward and um, you know you always had that commercial with Aloha United Way where they're passing the light and basically, it's passage. We, we all have light that we can give to other people. And they pass it on. And that's what's going to build our nation. You know, um, so there's so much more things that can be done in culturally-based programs. However, um, I think they try to do it a lot with children. More children's programs, there's more hands-on kinds of things because of the educational level. But there's so much more hands-on things that we need to do with our adults. Um, how do you tell a drug exposed or someone who has a history of drug exposure, um, male or female, how do you deal with this child who's crying and crying and crying when your body hasn't healed from methamphetamine? It's very, very difficult. What can you do? What is your, you know, how do you pie pie this? You know this fish into this loving net is very very difficult yeah so we need to support each other we need to build whether it's communities where you know people can come where you know the tutu can come or you can call a tutu and say you know i don't know what to do with my baby you know and you can say it out of love and the tutu is going to receive it out of love not oh that's your fault if you never if you never drink when you is how pie this stuff wouldn't be true that is true 
-hmm. However, there's enough time to discuss those things later. It's the action, that loving action that solidifies to me the person's mana. And I'm more of a protector of the mana than blaming somebody. We can always work out the rest. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes people were, babies were, they were drug exposed babies. They had no choice in this. Yes. So um, I just feel like there's there needs to be more discussion. Um, I think things are happening like Ahakani and they've done Ahawahini and things like that. I think there needs to be more stuff done for our local health. Um, so that people don't end up with the Western diseases that they now have. Um, and I believe that it can still happen, even though we've become so Westernized. I still believe that when you have the power of a nation, and you have the power of your Wahinis and your Kanis, nothing's going to stop them. Nothing is going to stop them. Because they're not powered by what's happening now. I have to get this makeup and I got to buy this purse. I mean, we all kind of live in that world somehow or another. But when you get into your lahui and, and you have that with your pa, where people are committed, you know, to, to getting these things out. We all do our things in our own little way to share la'aulapa'au or help, help, you know, a particular individual. And as we build, because, you know, when I was, when I was, um, a younger mother and I was going to school, sovereignty was just coming around the corner. We were the first people evicted from Makua. So we had, you know, hands on. But at some point, a lot of people's egos got in the way. Um, there was like a lull in leadership. And I always said to myself, okay, if I believe in sovereignty, if I believe in a nation, what are the things that I can do personally that is going to help the nation. And one of the things I said was to try to keep Hawaiians out of jail. And so, and I don't just discriminate a bit, but, you know, my focus was Native Hawaiians. And the other two things were language and la'olapa'au. So I believe that if those can be gifted, because most people are willing to receive them, mm -hmm. then some of it is actually free. And we can do it. But it's yeah. just getting the roadmap and the understanding of, of like-minded people. And I believe that, I, I feel that the synergy is there. Um, we just need to build more membership um, into the Lahuis. So with your commitment on building the nation, your commitment on helping out uh, those uh, that maybe have chemical dependencies or uh, these other issues, how do you restore yourself and keep yourself looking good and <laughs> fired you. up and um, the best? Keakua, keakua, of course. Um, however, I don't act as if I know it all. Um, whether it's laulapa'au or even chemical dependency, um, I seek out advice. You know, I, I, I talk to my kumus or, or other people that are in the field and, you know, ask their opinion. I'm not Connie. I, I don't know what it's like to feel like a Connie, you know. Um, so sometimes I need to go and ask someone, if this was a situation, you, can you give me some comments on that? And usually Keoku is directing that. So, it, you know, it gives me that, that beautiful grace to then help that other person. But mm -hmm. it also, in doing that, it helps me to help myself because it's nice to know that you're somewhat on a close path. You know, I'm not the one, I'm still the guest, but at least I, I said, okay, it's better if I can offer them C than A, mm -hmm. you know, so, so I take responsibility in trying to do that, but also, um, it, it's Puli, it's, we all have our own issues. My Kuliana is to make sure that my personal issues don't get in the way. So most of us, you know, before we do, um, Lomi or any type of law, we pulley whether it's verbally or you know or internally uh, for many different reasons and so I, I do that a lot I mean people may not know that I'm doing that I mean I'm, usually with Lomi they do but you know outside um, if the person isn't comfortable doing a pulley then I'm not going to put them in that situation um, 
but I will say, you know, ask for uh, protection. Um, and then the other thing I think is just genuine forgiveness of people out there, you know, whether it be a prison guard or a social worker or somebody in the court, a judge, to try and be loving and forgiving when they make decisions against our people. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean we stop fighting, but we don't want to give our energies away to them by arguing so a lot of times we get hung up in the system that we can't fight it's like quicksand but if we can recognize okay that's a human being we don't like their decision we're not going to stand on their decision but we need to let it go we need to focus on what can we do together you know with whoever it is we're serving and to me that power is much more greater so in creating that light that energy that helps us or helps me to stay um pono you know to stay balanced and definitely um i think the greatest thing for me is putting it into prayer like at at the state hospital there wasn't a lot of things i could do so i could try to do everything i could do and then i would say kiakua please come in here and do this because this it's not pono for this person here and usually my prayers got answered the next day the person got transferred back to prison people might not see that as a blessing (laughs) but this person could handle prison they couldn't handle the state hospital so so in an essence that prayer may not seem like a good solution but it protected the the soul of that person so that you know they at some place that there could be some intervention and i think that's that's what happens when when we when we go to fish we go holo holo we know how much to take not to take the whole thing you know if we plant we're we're going to make sure that the environment that we're planting is pono because that food is going to nourish so when you apply those same type of principles to working with the systems that we have out there now, it gives us a sense of relief. I, I kind of worry about the judge, you know, I, or whoever it might be. I don't have to like it. I, I have to understand it. I have to know the system to help the person help themselves or help me help that person. But um, in a lot of my younger years, I spent much more rebellious and (laughs) you know protesting and things like that which is is a good thing you know it's a strategy but sometimes I think a lot of times we get so hung up in what did Trump do you know Mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned he's a non-entity I mean yes sometimes I pay attention you know ask God for protection but he's not even in my vocabulary how I combat that I'm the antidote you know, of helping build a nation. Mm-hmm. And I don't need nuclear weapons because love is more, I mean, you know, this may sound insane and I know they have a bed waiting for me at the state hospital, but, you know, love will take care of it in the long run. Oh, and wow. Hawaii, nay, we're just protected. We're, yes. We are just protected. <laughs> I, I know that now, I'm not saying, you know, if a bomb comes, yes, that may happen. However, the the nature and the spirit of the Aina will come back up and live. Will always take care of itself. Yeah. And so I truly believe in those concepts. It's like it's like giving um, mana transfusions. You know, so if I can give a mana transfusion and I can receive a mana transfusion, then we're all good. Nice. We constantly, it's like giving... Uh, it's that aloha aku, aloha uh, mai I, I. relationship. So some of the takeaways, you know, kiakua, you know, that I. guidance of kiakua. Um, you mentioned a lot about ha'a ha'a, you know, yes. making sure that we stay humble, stay teachable, and that aloha aspect. I know we spent um, time doing the lomis for uh, kiolo mamo, I. you know, at that Dillingham. And that was good times for me being the the kane over there with the rest of you wahines, <laughs> yourself, Auntie Nani, Auntie Lolani, Auntie Moana, Auntie, Moana, Auntie, Auntie Helen, mm-hmm. you know, and those are great times and I um, always look at you guys as uh, 
great practitioners mahalo, you know and mahalo. if for the next generation you know what would be characteristics and practices of people who would who you would consider to be um, excellent practitioners in our culture or good say for instance lomi practitioners you know what you think i i think as much as possible um that we pass on whatever knowledge we can whether it be going on a family who akai um for example when we go to uh, puukola you know i've had the privilege of bringing both of my grandsons at different times when they were age appropriate but as a result of that they got to see lua up close and personal uh my youngest grandson got to meet lanakila he he gave him makana he was connected to the mauna the the from Lake Vaiao is what they use to make the ava so he was he was allowed to see all of that and so when he came back to Kanioi he goes to a private school and they were teaching history and they weren't pronouncing things correctly they were saying things that weren't necessarily true i got a text during the middle of the day asking for verification and i texted him back with a little paragraph that had been used for TMT so he they could understand in in simplest forms why were people fighting for it you know poisons going into the aquifer for example things like that so this child who was like 10 and a half years old got this hands on from all these loving adults that were there you you cannot duplicate that mm-hmm. um and i think if those things can happen more I know like with the Lua uh, folks they have grants to now teach the younger children. I think we need to educate children but also those who want to learn. You know, mm-hmm. to me it's that passion of learning and having that opportunity is what's going to continue to build our nation cuz people have lost so much. And and yeah, we may not get it all back or we may not do it the same way as how somebody did it in the seventh generation however kiakua will guide us the amokua will guide us namokua will guide us and and as you know in in being a practitioner we get downloads mm-hmm. you know when we're sleeping that's just the nature of how this energy continues to live yes. and so for for future practitioners um you know it's giving yourself permission to receive you know nice and being teachable in and, and, and just understanding that the way that some older practitioners may teach you is very different than the teachers you're going to get in school mm-hmm. so part of the reason that I could endure is that if someone scolded me or appeared to be a scolding I knew how to deal with that you know i didn't go home crying and never come back and they in when i had spoken with another puna a long time ago i said uncle how come you know people scold or they're verbal in in i didn't quite get it when i was going through my own stuff but what he, what he said was that if you kind of get a little potty to your brain you're going to remember so that was their way of you know I mean truthfully coming out and teaching what was real. Mm-hmm. But they weren't afraid to tell you, "No, that's not right." And and that's how you learn. I mean, in at that particular time, so be open to different learning styles. Um there's so much palapala out there that isn't available to the, a lot of the population. So there's books going back to like 1895 that have laau lapaau. It's written all in Hawaiian. But it's tucked away somewhere where people can't see it and and i know we have a lot of dedicated um university people as well as um olalo people but we want to make this more accessible to our general population and the thing the biggest thing i think kamaka is that we need to lead by example and that's the hardest one cuz we're we're still human beings we still have feelings and if someone you know created pedikia sometimes it takes us a little while to go into <laughs> ponopono with ourselves yeah. right 
So if we can continue to understand that, and, and it's okay because we're human. Sometimes we got to step back and say, wait, i got to process this. What is the lesson I need to learn? Or maybe it's not I need to learn. Maybe I'm in that person's life for them to learn. Because mm-hmm. I always used to blame myself. Like, what did I do? You know, what am I doing wrong? But then some wise person, you know, kind of yanked my collar and says, why do you think it's about you? And I says, what do you mean? And they said, oh, you could be in someone else's learning tube. And then yes. it kind of helped me understand. So I always take it into prayer if I can. My kai, my kai. One last thing, um, if you could leave a message to our keiki, you know, on the importance of our relationship to our culture, or, um, what would you leave to our, our future keiki and, you know, your mo'opuna? I would say malama'ina. Malama'ina, meaning meaning person, places, and things. You know, um, feel the aina, love the aina, love love your ohanas, the good and the bad, um, and take care of yourself. Learn Hawaiian health. Learn how to carry on the, the bloodlines uh, for future generations so that the nation will continue to survive. Wonderful. Mahalo nui once again to our guest today, Auntie Kathy Alana for joining us on Leo Koopa. Mahalo to all our listeners. Leo Koopa is produced by myself and Kavika Brown. If you like this podcast, please share with your ohanas. Subscribe to our mailing list at huimauliola.org where you can get information on Hui Mauliola events, practitioners in your area, and Mauliola merch. Uh, follow us on social medias, Instagram, on Facebook. Mahalo for the stories and Leo Koopa today, Auntie Kathy. Mahalo nui. Nui ki aloha. From Auntie Kathy Alana, Oao Kamaka Nui Aha Ilono, Ola. Ekia Kua Mana Loa La Ilalo Ke Kai, Na Auma Kua, Yaka Hina Kua, Yaka Hina Alo, Kaikina, Komohana, Nakupuna, Mahalo Piha, Eho Mai Ka Ike, Kaikaika Kamana, Keola, Mania O Ko, Mania Ma Ko, Mania Ka Ko, A Mama Ua Noa, E ho o mana no e mahalo mahalo alright thank you so much oh yeah that was good